0: You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction.
1: To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at bible www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com.
0: Welcome back, listener, to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt, and I am joined by Nathan Van Horn. Oh, hi. <laughs> Hey, you are here, Nathan, right? That's right. (laughs) I am. I'm not going to fly solo for this episode. I'm I'm
1: used to being the third guy introduced. So anytime I'm just the second guy introduced, it trips me up. So yeah, You know, I I feel like Braveheart, careful. Hold. Hold. Not yet. Not yet, Nathan. It's not your time.
0: That's right. But today there's only two of us. That's right. This is episode 91. Perhaps you caught uh, episode 90 last week, which is the Gandalf only episode where he brought Sad tidings that our recording of episode 90 on the intercession of Abraham had been lost because the files had messed up and the recording files had messed up. So we could not post that. So we are going to have to rerecord the content. But also a sad thing is, is that Gandalf is not with us and actually won't be with us for a couple of episodes. And we've never done that
1: before. Yikes. Can we make magic happen without the wizard? You know, it's really funny because I can't tell you, and we tell him this all the time. We're always encouraging him to speak more. Uh right. because I, I hear all the time, and Matt, you said you hear all the time, uh the people identify with Gandalf, man. He he is yes. uh and so he's he's the you know the calm, sane voice in the in the midst of this craziness. Um and people always say, Man, the episodes are strongest when he talks more. And so today Mm. it's like, oh, I've got a great idea. Let's do three or four episodes where he doesn't talk at all. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's Surely those will be good. Surely those will be good. Um, And so this this is episode 91, but it's meant to take the place of what was going to be episode 90. So if you're confused, so are we. That's right. Um, And
0: also to our listeners, regular listeners and new listeners, uh, if you are tuning in today and have not liked, subscribed, positive, check marked, whatever it is, whatever that positive interaction is favorable five-star review. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You and your platform of choice. In fact, we heard from a guy just this past week that is listening on a platform I had never heard of before. So uh, I don't even know how that works, but welcome all platforms. We're delighted to have you as a part, but if you have not done that positive interaction. If you would do so, we would love to have you a part of the regular conversation team. Now, one of the things I love about this podcast, Nathan, is the conversational nature of this podcast. We essentially sit down and talk about the Bible each week. And a conversation presupposes a relationship. And we're friends outside of this podcast, and so we're drawing upon that friendship to have a conversation, which kind of leads us. So what we're going to talk about today is Abraham is bold enough to enter into a conversation with God. Uh now this I feel you know, like that
1: bad music video, I am a friend of God, or Jesus is a <laughs> friend of mine. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus is a, is fri- a friend yeah, of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I uh, obviously this podcast is a
0: conversation among equals, we're all human beings, but this conversation in scripture is a conversation not among equals and we're going to dissect what that means and this is really one of the first pictures of intercession that we see in the scripture today. And mm. so, before we talk about that, we're going to look at that scripture again and if you would do us the favor of reading the conversation between the friends Abraham and God of Genesis eighteen twenty two through thirty three, which is the rest of the chapter, which means next episode we march on to not Zion but Sodom, and uh,
1: we'll move on from chapter eighteen. Much like well, good wordplay because so do the angels. Um, it's uh, so true. The, uh, by the way, I will say without Gandalf here and you taking po- point on the hosting, stepping into his face, it's like, I'm definitely going to be the reader. Uh, <laughs> so nice, not, you know, I'm named after a prophet, not to say that's prophecy fulfilled, but, uh um, all right, faithful listeners, we are, uh, reading Genesis 18, 22 through the end of the chapter in 33. And as always, we are reading from the English standard version. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham s- still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare fares the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. That's beautiful, by the way. Hmm. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. I, who am but dust and ashes, suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. And again he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of forty I will not do it. Then he said, O let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty are found there. And he answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. He answered, For the sake of twenty I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again, but this once. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Thank you. Excellent job. So today
0: we want to continue our conversation about this divine council meeting. I know, Nathan, we touched on that last week about what is taking place here. Remember, this conversation is taking place on a mountain, at a tree, <laughs> or at a group of trees, and they are entering into conversation. We should be thinking Eden, but we should also be thinking of those other places in the Bible. We talked about Job chapter one, where uh, the divine council, the sons of God, came before the presence of God. And uh, we talked about First uh, Kings 22, where the Micaiah prophecy, where he talks about the spirits that deliberate with God regarding um, the death of King Ahab. Yeah, there we go. And then, of course, I don't know if we mentioned them last week, but ones that come to mind are the early divine council meetings in Genesis, where God announces to the heavenly host, this is what he's going to do. Um In, in Genesis, Genesis 1.26, yeah. One,
1: yeah,
0: of creation. And then later when he's Uh, doling out punishments in uh, Genesis 3. He says, you know, lest man become like one of us. One of the things that we talked about actually before the episode, one of the things all of these divine council meetings have in common is that there are many voices of input, apparently, but there's only one
1: decision maker. And you know what's interesting? We did not talk about this, but it stood out to me for the first time while I was reading the passage. Um, so there's no way this is wrong, right? Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we talked about the Genesis 3, mankind becoming like one of us, that presumes a broader audience, right? That presumes the council is in session. And we talked about that when we are back in Genesis 3. You know what's so interesting to me about Genesis 18 is when Abraham talks to God. Hmm. he He talks to him right after the other two angels depart. Ah, interesting. Do you see that? So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stays back to so Abraham's like, I've got a better shot. If it's just me and God talking about this thing, it's, you know, it's interesting Isn't because it's interesting. It's in, because in Genesis three they're by, by virtue of God, the way God words, it will become, you know, has become like one of us um presumes the host is there but the host does not speak right only only god and mankind speak in that setting the serpent doesn't even speak the serpent gets spoken to but the serpent you know has said quite enough by that point i just think that's interesting there okay um, so because it, it hits that. on what yeah. we're going to talk about it hits on the intercession thing
0: so okay now that you said that look back up to verse 17 we didn't read this today The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because the outside against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me and if not i will know and then the men turn like so the meeting was already taking place that's what you're saying yeah like they're already having this discussion so to speak and well, it's by the way it's only one voice speaking uh and sometimes i'm sure that's where a lot of the divine councils in fact the majority of the divine councils that we see in the scripture it is one voice that speaks And the others just listen.
1: Well, and what's so interesting is, you know, in most of the scenes that we have, um, where the heavenly host speaks, it's either, and I'm trying to think of an exception. Maybe there is one. I can't think of an exception to what I'm about to say. In those divine council meetings that we have in scripture, either judgment needs to be meted out. And Mm there, you know, this is the first Kings 22 thing. Judgment's going to happen. They're pitching strategies for how it happens, not whether it does. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Or the Job 1 and 2. Hey, this guy may have gotten blessed uh, because he's got it too easy. Right. Um, But I can't think of a single instance, and maybe there is one, but I can't think of it. Is there a single instance where the host pleads to stave off judgment? Where the host, the heavenly host, plead for mercy on behalf of humans? Ooh, I don't. I don't know uh because even in revelation
0: 6 the saints under the altar are saying lord how long until you avenge our death and avenge our blood so they're even calling for judgment from the heavenly places because by the way revelation 5 Revelation 5 and 6 is a divine council meeting. You have the living creatures and the elders and the host of heaven. And it is a mixture, by the way, of myriads of angels and the saints, like all of that together. And there's an announcement of what's going on. And then amazingly, the voice of the martyred saints is heard in Revelation chapter 6. So again, there is a human voice in the decision-making of God that whether... It's not that humans are making decisions in heaven, but they
1: are allowed input, so to speak, in these meetings. And I, I do love the here, language. Uh, there's a New Testament scholar, I think it was Edith Humphreys, uh, who's I think in the Orthodox tradition. Um, but she, you know, you have people arguing over whether um, Revelation four and five is a worship scene or a court scene. And uh, she says, "Well, the only appropriate seat for God is His throne." So. Uh, God's court is also his throne room, and and both things happen there simultaneously. Um, I love that. So,
0: you know, it's another thing. uh, Thinking about the whole intercession, Abraham is interceding here for Sodom. It, you've pointed out that these guys have left the scene. Now Abraham's like continuing the meeting. It's like so God's adjourned the meeting. All right, okay, now adjourned. that they're gone. Uh, <laughs> hey, um, hey, one I, one what, more what? thing, God. <laughs> just, just forgive me for asking, but you know, hey, I, I just have this question, and uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, I, Bold hey, listen, move, Abraham. That's right. We may, we may be reading too much into this, listener, but it, it, at least it's something to think about. Here's what the scripture shows us, though. Your voice matters to God. And quite possibly God. someone else. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But your voice matters to God. He He not only wants you to speak, he allows you to speak. And Abraham speaks and shares his mind. Of course he he clarifies in verse 25 far be it from you to do such a thing to put the righteous to death with the wicked so that the righteous fares the wicked far be that from you shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just by interesting you're talking about a divine counsel. is it is it is it judge or is worship well it, it, abram calls in this meeting he calls him a judge yeah yeah that's interesting. But he's
1: just worshiped him too earlier yeah. in the chapter. Yeah,
0: of course. Yeah, it's both. both uh, and.
1: Yeah, and 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 again, uh, you know, God wants to hear from you. Um and if and if someone is going to be it, again, I can't find the heavenly host interceding to appeal to God's mercy on behalf of people. I you know, I think of Jesus saying to the disciples whatever you uh bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There, mm. there is a real responsibility to how we operate, not only for the glory of God, absolutely for the glory of God, but for the glory of God and for the blessing of the world mm. uh, as a means to the glory of God. Is that fair? I mean. Um, yeah. Yeah. Th- so so it's,
0: it's interesting. Abraham is promised that he is going to
1: be the blessing. Not just be a, a blessing, but... Well, and he's, he's commanded to be the blessing. So, you, yes, it's in Hebrew, imperative. it's an imperative. Yeah. So yeah. you be a blessing. What is Abraham trying to do right here? He's interceding for Sodom. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, we we will come back to this. Matt always loves when I punt ahead. Um, we will come back to this. But in chapter 19, uh, one of the big discussions we have to have is, uh, you know, the New Testament calling Lot righteous. And a lot of people are scandalized by that because of uh, some things that we see in 19. Um, but it's interesting, uh, in 19, uh, when when things are going down, it says that God did what? He remembered. Oh, remembered Abraham. Abraham. That's it. Right. And so it, so, it seems like God's action toward Lot is on the basis of someone else. So so here's what's interesting,
0: and this is not to, first of all, before we talk about this next part, uh, Nathan and I are convictionally and thoroughly Protestants. We are, we are members of the longest protest in Christian history, uh, which is <laughs> even 500 years removed, we're still protesting the Catholic Church, okay? But uh, not to speak ill against our Catholic neighbors and friends or any Catholics who may be Listening to this podcast, one of the things that's interesting when you look, listen to church fathers' commentary on the intercession of Abraham is the saints' role in interceding to God on behalf of other people. Like
1: St. Chrysostom ties that into this passage. I I was going to say, not only are we not attacking Catholics today, we might sound Catholic today. Um, Yeah. We are
0: Protestants. (laughs) Yeah, we are. We we promise. Uh, um, But but anyway, so for instance, one of the things that when I think of my Catholic friends, a caricature that most Protestants would have of their Catholic friends is, oh yeah, they, they pray to saints.
1: Praying to Mary or praying to the saints, yeah. Right. They pray to the saints, they pray to Mary. But for what? Purpose? And as a, and as a, and a, yeah and well in time out as Protestants, our immediate uh, pushback against that is, man, you can pray straight to Jesus. You have this right. priesthood entrusted you. Why in the world would you appeal to saints? Right. Um. For uh, for what purpose? So, but but it does beg the question. Yeah. For what purpose? And it does beg the question. What do saints ha- have to offer you? How how? Why, and how does that get started? Where does that you know? Where does that practice come from? Right. Um, so,
0: so Chrysostom finds that here, and so the the idea is this: is that within Catholic teaching is that the saints, for living such faithful lives here upon the earth, have an immense abundance of good works and faithfulness that has that has a- allowed them to impart those things to believers. And you can you can pray in a sense in some way. I'm butchering this, Nathan. I, I wish I had a Catholic friend here to 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 dull this out for us. But um, it's not that Catholics are praying uh, appeal, to appealing as if they're
1: God. Yeah, appealing on the basis of the appealing on the basis of someone else's relationship with God. Exactly, appealing on their faithfulness is is
0: I guess a, a good way of saying that.
1: Yeah. Kind of almost like a different version of Paul saying, uh, you know, to Philemon, hey, welcome back Onesimus as if it's me. It's not, but act like it is. Put it on my account.
0: Yeah, exactly. So let me, let me speak some Chrysostom here for just a second. He says regarding this passage and he compares this idea to David. The Lord's goodness is immense, and he frequently finds his way to grant salvation of the majority on account of a few just people. Why do I say on account of a few just people? Frequently, when a just person cannot be found in the present life, he takes pity on the living on account of the virtue of the departed and cries aloud in the words, I will protect this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant, David. This is long after David's dead. And this is quoting from 2 Kings 19. Right. 34. Even if they do not deserve to be saved, he is saving, and they have no claim on salvation. Yet since showing love is habitual with me, and I am prompt to have pity and rescue them from disaster for my own sake and the sake of my... Servant David, I will act as a shield. He who passed on from this life many years before will prove the salvation of those who have fallen victim to their own indifference. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Chrysostom like totally it's a, sees this whole idea yeah, that the,
1: uh, in a sense, not just live, not just the intercession of the living, but in a sense, the intercession of those who have died. Whether it be the act of participation
0: uh, or what was the other pe- passage that you quoted when we recorded this the first time of talking about his, he, that if his father, who was it that said that if his father prayed for him while he was living, how much more is his father now been freed from his. Uh, oh, I can't remember for the bonds? life of me. Oh, man. But there was another passage. <laughs> there was there was there yeah, there was another passage. the The point is this is that I'm not ad- advocating Catholicism here, but you can see the roots here. if Abraham is allowed a voice at the table, if Hebrews talks about in Hebrews 12: one that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, if the saints under the altar in Revelation six are allowed allowed a voice to the table you can at least see where appealing to There's, the saints
1: where the, yeah you can at least can see, see the point see of departure yeah now, uh, can i and can i speak to that you know it's it's one of those things uh sometimes we uh criticize catholicism for making too much of something like this well we need to be we need to be careful of the dangerous protestants not to make too little of it right um you know it's it's like the veneration of mary uh with catholicism uh you know uh, that where they they take things like, okay, say, okay, well, if Mary bears the Christ child, she had to be a worthy vessel, and so that she couldn't taint Jesus uh, with sin, Mary herself must have been immaculately conceived. Like, she must right. have, you know, does that make sense? And I, I, I don't believe that. The text never teaches that, but it's born out of a, it's born out of wanting to take the text's Seriously. Seriously, yeah, even though I disagree with that. It's it's the same thing with their, uh, you know, uh, wanting to hold on to the perpetual innocence and unstainedness of Mary. So Catholics go on to teach later that Mary was perpetually a virgin. And again, I don't think the text teaches that, and I don't think that's the best takeaway of of what the text does teach. It says that uh, Mary and Joseph uh, abstained until later. It doesn't say forever. Um, right, but but you again, you see, you see some of what feeds into even if you disagree with the point of departure, and I, and I would say it's kind of similar with the saints thing on the basis of some things that we do have in the Bible, and on the basis of some earlier commentary about the Bible, Chrysostom and the passage we can't remember. <laughs>
0: so here, here's one of the things that's encouraging to me because, I, dude, I think about heaven a lot ever since t- 2018, losing my son, and then also losing grandparents and, and friends close to me, things like that through the years. Um, one of the things that I think about when I think about heaven is that they are there still praying for me. That the saints in heaven are still praying for the saints on earth. That if, if we pray for saints here, isn't it reasonable to think that the saints there are still praying for us? Or at least in Revelation 6, the saints there are. Now, here's where I would take a, a different path that our our Catholic friends is that I don't see anywhere where we are told to pray through the saints uh, or to the saints. Um, we we are supposed to pray to God. That's the instruction that we have received. Yeah, but I do see where the people and the Bible are applying are, saintly
1: language. You know, it's very much in the New Testament. The Bible applying saintly language to all believers. Right, um, but I, I I do think we make too little. Oh, we make. Y- too, Nathan, we make...
0: you pointed out, and thinking of Matthew eighteen, uh, of the everything that you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. I meaning that hey, there's two meetings going on here.
1: Mm.
0: You, you have the manifestation of the divine council on earth, and then what's going on in heaven as well.
1: But I, again, I th- I think it's easy for us to overreact. Uh, To the Catholic again, like you're saying, I think we pray to God. I don't think we have to pray through someone, but I do think it's easy for us to underestimate the role that is entrusted to us and modeled here by Abraham. The importance of intercession. Intercession is our seat at the table. Intercession. God. God ultimately gets the say, right? But intercession is our ability to speak in a very, very important meeting. Um. For the potential blessing or to avert potential disaster.
0: And Nathan, you've pointed this out in other episodes, but one of the
1: things in
0: Jewish tradition, and you can see a little of this in the Gospels, but the Jewish tradition of Abraham acting as an intercessor even after he's dead on account of Jewish people.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I love the uh, the, the – we're talking about the passage where uh, the Jewish teaching where Abraham sits at the gates of hell, and if any of the sons of Israel is about to head through the gates, Abraham snatches them up so that no one ends there by mistake. Is that what you're talking about? hmm Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a fun one.
0: Right. So at least there is tradition of believing, hey, these people are still playing a role. And as Jesus told the Sadducees, he's the God of – the living, not the dead, <laughs> mm. and they are they are still there, and they're actively playing a role. So, as we think about this in Genesis eighteen, you're thinking, well, how does this, you know, how does this all fit together? Is that Abraham is allowed on earth to step into a role that I think all the believers through all of the age step into ultimately in heaven to be a part of the council of God. I and like that. Keep in mind, there's only one decision maker. Uh, Being a part of the council of God, you celebrate His decisions if He allows input in varying places. (laughs) I just dropped something, but uh, if He allows uh, input in various places, okay, allows input. But one of the things that Genesis 18 makes clear here, it's God who makes the decision. It's God's call. It's His meeting.
1: It's His kingdom. And and by the way, uh, to Man, this made me think of Hebrews 2 when I was thinking about it yesterday, um, because it's, it's talking about the son who for a little while was lower than the angels, you know, pulling in Psalm 8. Um, mm-hmm. but, but when you keep going through that passage and you look at the motivation for Jesus entering into the human condition, Jesus was always going to be a faithful high priest. Yeah. Uh, he entered into the human condition so that he'd also be a merciful high priest. Uh, so that he could not just know our weaknesses, so he could truly sympathize with them. Uh, and surprise, surprise, guess who's mentioned in that passage in Hebrews 2? For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of, ding, 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 Abraham. Abraham. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's uh, good. That's beautiful. You, you get to Genesis 19, and God remembered Abraham. And boy, does that work mm. out well for Lot. mm.
0: It's a, so in just a very functional way. Just think, thinking pastorally and uh, things like that. Is that in the way uh, Chrysostom is understanding this? Is that your family, even after they are gone, remain to be a blessing to you? And it's not just their memories; it is their prayers. And it's not just the prayers they prayed way back then; it's the prayers they're even praying today. Mm. And you know, one of the things is uh, that we frequently when we think about the heaven celebrating when one sinner repents, we often think of just angels there. But but who else is there? <laughs> mm. You know, how much celebration goes on when when something for the kingdom happens here? The the saints on the other side, I'm sure, are celebrating. Now, how much they know, we don't know. The Bible doesn't reveal, but. Genesis 18 is a glimpse into the future for humanity. God is wanting humanity to to return to the table, to return to the meeting after being exiled. And this is Abraham baby stepping back.
1: Baby steps. What about Bob reference? And hey, if this episode didn't satisfy your curiosities over this issue, Gandalf has a great explanation. Unfortunately, he wasn't here with us today.
0: <laughs> That's right. Well, this concludes today's episode. Now we are going to march on to Sodom and pick up there next week. But thank you, Lister, uh, for taking time to tune into this episode of Matt and Nathan Van Horn. And uh, we will move on to Genesis 19 next time. And as always, if you have questions, you can email us by going to our website at uh, betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com.
1: Or you can like, secure your seat at the table by clicking like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Well, thank
0: you for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Shalom. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus.